1: Every day at sax.com.
2: The Poison Queen. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town.
3: In fall of 1791, while a huge musical superstar with a big personality that would form a lot of his legend, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart got sick. Really sick. While finishing his masterpiece, The Magic Flute, Mozart realized that he was going to die. Upon that realization, he said, I feel definitely that I will not last much longer. I am sure that I have been poisoned. I cannot rid myself of this idea. Someone has given me aqua tofana and calculated the precise time of my death. Ominous words. But Mozart did have one thing right. He was not long for this world. Soon after, Mozart became bedridden and feverish, losing consciousness and eventually dying on December 5th, 1791. Now, the way Mozart actually died is still a mystery. Some say he had syphilis, some say he had rheumatic fever, some say he had strep, or died from the deadly effects of eating undercooked pork chops, maybe for another episode. But whatever actually killed the 35-year-old composer at the height of his powers doesn't really matter to this story. What matters is that he was convinced, obsessed maybe, that he was the victim of a rare and supernatural poison named aqua tofana created by Italy's most notorious organized alchemist and murderer, Giulia Tofana. Today, we're talking about the life and legacy of Giulia Tofana, the slayer of at least 600 men and the grandmother of death by poisoning. In 1633 Italy, as you might have guessed, men had a limited power and women were expected to do whatever their husband or any man around them told them to do. They didn't have much standing in society and a lot of opportunity to change their situation. An Italian woman had a couple narrow options for their life. One, get married and hope for the best. Option two, stay single and be broke or a sex worker. Or three, become a widow. Most high society women gutted it out and prayed for option three. Nobody could help them, not friends or family or even the police. They just had to be someone's property until their husbands were no longer in the picture. And no one was more skilled at speeding along the state of widowdom in the 17th century than Julia Tofana. Tofana was born in Palermo in 1620, and you could say crime ran in her family. Her mother, Tofana D'Amato, was executed when she was young, famous or infamous, in Italian circles for murdering her own husband in 1633. Rumor was that D'Amato passed down the recipe for her best performing poison to her young daughter, Julia. But even if that wasn't the case, Julia Tofana herself was really good at science, and organizing, and politics, and marketing. In fact, some might say she was too good at all these things. Now, this is where myth and facts collide. We don't really know the origin of Tofana or Aqua Tofana, and what I've cobbled together here again is history retelling itself, and what might have happened, rumor, etc. That being said, some of these rumors have survived for centuries, so maybe there's something to that? Anyhow, Giulia Tofana started with an idea for an arsenic-based poison, a scant four to six drops of which were, quote, sufficient to destroy a man. It'll give you a lot of insight to know that in Italy at the time, poison's nickname was inheritance powder. Tofana moved from Sicily to Naples to Rome, expanding her black market trade and actively engineering a colorless, tasteless, odorless poison that went beyond physical or technological detection. A poison that, with one carefully calculated dose, would guarantee a victim's death at whatever point the client wanted it. If they wanted someone dead within a week, done. Month? Great. One last year with their shitty spouse? That could be arranged, too. For the time, this type of inheritance powder was groundbreaking. Even for our time, honestly, the level of precision was incredibly sophisticated. Tafana also had a daughter, Girolama Spara, whom she kept in the family business. Tofana, with the help of her daughter and a group of trusted associates, some people think priests comprised a lot of her workers, launched an underground ring of poison sales from her apothecary’ shop, refining and testing her poison for sale to the masses. Of course, every good crime ring has a front. Tafana’s was something pretty unassuming, makeup. She sold dainty powders and liquids from her storefront, advertised aggressively to enhance women's beauty and men's attraction to them. The name of her store, Aqua Tofana. The name of her famous lethal poison, Aqua Tofana. But the product that bridged the front and the poison was called Manna of St. Nicholas de Bari, and it looked innocuous enough. There are advertisements of it online, and it looks very elegant and expensive. It came in two forms, less precise than earlier poisons, but in much prettier packages. Mana of St. Nicholas of Bari came as an oily face cream in a bottle or a powder in a little compact case. It's sold very explicitly as a healing ointment for blemishes. I'm not sure how your makeup works, but mine isn't usually made from a mixture of lead, arsenic, and belladonna, a deadly nightshade that's been used to kill people since the 4th century BC. You might actually be familiar with belladonna. It was called belladonna in Italian or beautiful woman in English, because Italian women of the Renaissance took it to enlarge their pupils, which made them, I guess, more attractive to men. But it's also known as the devil's berries, and Shakespeare name-checked it as the poison that caused Juliet to appear dead in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. But don't worry, aquatofana contained some of the same ingredients as normal cosmetics at the time, which, along with a very cute package, helped it look normal enough on a woman's nightstand or vanity. Here's how aqua tofana, or manna of St. Nicholas of Bari, worked. You'd grab the bottle or powder and dissolve a portion of it in some kind of liquid, and then give it to your victim to drink. After, it would cause exhaustion and weakness. You'd do the same thing with the second dose, which would bring on horrible stomach aches and vomiting. The third or fourth dose? Well, you know the rest. The poison and the method of administering it meant the doctors and investigators believed death had been caused by a slowish-moving illness or disease. This also meant that victims had a chance to get their affairs in order, and their wives could, in their husband's very vulnerable state, exert their influence over what that looked like. When someone eventually died from aqua tofana, the poison would be undetectable, the administer free of scrutiny, and maybe with a new lease on life. As Chambers' journal wrote in 1890 of the poison, "...to save her fair fame, the wife would demand a postmortem examination. Result? Nothing." except that the woman was able to pose as a slandered innocent, and then it would be remembered that her husband died without either pain, inflammation, fever, or spasms. If, after this, the woman within a year or two formed a new connection, nobody could blame her. On that note, let's take a break
1: hello we're here to tell you about a new podcast called no bad reviews Colin: a coffee podcast we're three pals and we also work in the coffee industry so we know a little thing or two about coffee hint of something else and if you're saying it's hobby lobby I'll, I'll go with that <laughs> we are checking out coffees that we might prefer to give a bad review to but we're going to find a way to say something good about them what's the opposite of a hint <laughs> i'm getting beat over the head with dark coffee and while we're at it, we're all going to learn a little bit of history. Even when you go to outer space, they will go to extreme lengths to make coffee as much like it is at home. Let's go ahead and get this party started.
2: You can find No Bad Reviews colon, a coffee podcast on your favorite podcasting app.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take.
3: hi hello how are you hello we're checking in us checking in on you
2: this is it look inward then look outward mm-hmm. to your tvs and your <laughs> phone right. amazon and wishlist. refrigerators that's right but before you do that just, <laughs> we want to know what's going on
3: yeah you yeah well say it out loud and we won't hear it
2: scream it into a pillow or just get in your car And Just Just drive, baby. You ever do that, that. just get in
3: your car and just scream? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say drive with that expensive gas. Just keep consuming if you could. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting the show. Thank you very much.
3: Mm -hmm. Thank
2: you. And who are we without our rulers?
3: Nobody. Garbage. Nothing. Dust.
2: We want to say hello to our government. Mm -hmm. In the house, in the place to be. The mayors on first base.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go. With, this is new. Let's I see like what this. happens. All right
2: on first base, David Bull. Hello. On second base. Oh shit. Dara Rosenzweig. Hello. On third base, Ashley Matson. Hi. On fourth base, Cat <laughs> Joselle. Hello. Listen, I'm a sportsman.
3: That's true. You're a sports. I'm ball wearing tiny an LA guy. Dodgers That's hat. That's right.
2: James Harrington. Hello. And on 420th base.
3: (laughs) Oh, shit.
2: Our governor.
3: That's right. Avian Avian Noble. Noble.
2: So if you want early access, no chit chat, no No. ads. You want to get straight to the goodies.
3: Yeah, the good stuff.
2: The goodies about the baddies sometimes. Yeah,
3: goods about bads.
2: Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. And I was just looking. And if you're somebody who's like, "I, I... never been on it Mm -hmm. there are and you've never listened to older episodes and you want to listen to them and save time save some time time is money money is nfts (laughs) god sports lesson economy lesson wow
3: white man coming at you
2: and all there's tons of bonus episodes to listen to they're all there just put a new one up Mm -hmm. tons of content for you at a very very low price point Mm -hmm. yeah price point
3: you can't afford to not do it you're, I'd say. That's how losing, I sell things. You're losing you're losing money.
2: <laughs> and we have a new logo, maybe you noticed.
3: Yeah, do you mm-hmm. like it? Somebody
2: some people noticed.
3: They did? Yeah. what I did they, they
2: say? I think uh our friend uh Malika. hmm And if I'm saying your name wrong because I've only seen it, but I think it's Malika. I think she she noticed. She sort right. of uh, mentioned it uh maybe in a YouTube comment. Ooh. And she has some uh, ideas for future episodes that I'm looking into. Thank you for that. Oh, if yeah. I'm saying your name wrong, I'll make it up to you next week. But we have a new logo. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian.
3: Yeah, in Brian, the house. That's right. Uh, Brian Fernandez. He is my boyfriend, and he also makes logos.
2: Yeah, you're like, oh, useless. Mm-mm, makes logos.
3: Yeah, he makes logos. <laughs> and if you look at that right.
2: logo, and you're like, okay, it's it's simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just a little uh, little upgrade from the last one. To see how many we went through with little nuances we that
3: literally. Um, made his life a living hell. Day and night, I was in his ear being like, it's not good enough, Brian. Yeah. It's not good enough.
2: Bring home the bacon in the exactly. form of a PNG file. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly, exactly. But so many. <laughs> what
2: we did was, is uh we made it into a shirt to see what it looks mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Put a link in the description. If you want to check it out, we're going to have it on more products. on It's on Amazon, which is the lowest price that you could I know, no, not everyone loves Amazon, mm-hmm. but as far as the absolute lowest price for people, for you. where we it's some revenue for the podcast, yeah, it's there. But I'm looking to get it in other places, you know, hoodies or um, pop sockets.
3: Yeah, I, I'd love a pop socket with well,
2: Ghost Town on coming it. your way. But right now, you can get it uh, on Amazon, and the link is in the description. And for our government.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: check your messages Ooh. because you know we've got one coming your way you just oh. gotta tell us the size um, and what color
3: exactly yeah and if you like the design or you're like I would like it if it were purple or something like that we're open to that
2: yeah Brian's open Brian to that.
3: works for us yeah you know he's got a lot to make up for in um, our relationship, and you, you guys t- benefit, <laughs> and that's how you choose to cash in. That's how I choose to. Ca- for you, I work for you.
2: So check that out, and go to Patreon.com/slash GhostTownPod, mm-hmm. or go back to the 17th century,
3: I guess. Yeah, and get poisoned. I should- Get back there and get a poison in. So as the years went on, Giuliana Tofana's innocent Roman cosmetics business flourished. In the course of a career that lasted for more than 50 years, according to the Abby Gagliani, a comic gambler who wrote a century or so later about this whole matter, quote, there was not a lady in Naples who had not some of it lying openly on her toilet, among other perfumes. She also knows the all and can distinguish it. So, again, these were so widespread Women would just have it like, from what I gathered from researching this episode, so common. It's like, if you look at a woman's, you know, vanity, there could be poison on there. You don't know if it was lipstick or something that would uh, make you die in a couple days. Tofana mostly sold products to ladies that she knew or women who had been vetted by past clients. But this is where things get kind of hazy. One source says that she died of natural causes in 1651, another that she found sanctuary in a convent and lived there for many years, continuing to make her poison and dispensing it via a network of nuns and clerics. But others say that one customer, a young woman who bought aqua tofana to kill her husband, got cold feet. After mixing a few drops of the poison in her husband's soup, she panicked and begged him not to eat it. He, of course, was suspicious as to why he shouldn't eat his dinner, and gleaned from her reaction that something sinister was being planned. Later, the husband forced his wife to reveal the criminal activities of Tofana and her accomplices. And then, of course, sooner rather than later, Italian police were involved. Tofana was beloved by the woman she helped, so when a warrant was drawn up for her arrest, her network of friends and customers gave her a heads up. She fled, being granted sanctuary by a local church. Soon, bigger rumors emerged and spread, saying that she had poisoned the city's water supply. The government got more aggressive with their search, finally apprehending Tofana and subjecting her to horrific torture. In custody, Tofana confessed to killing over 600 men from 1633 to 1651 in Rome alone, though that number could be lower or higher, given that she'd been tortured for hours on end. It's believed that Tofana was executed in Campo di Fiori in Rome in 1659, or 1709, or 1730. In one especially detailed account, when where Tofana was hiding out in a convent, she was dragged from her sanctuary and strangled, after which, quote, her body was thrown at night into the area of the convent from which she had been taken. Tofana, her daughter, and a few of her closest associates were also killed. And that's not all. Dozens of women were executed after it was revealed. They had been customers of Tofana. Lower class clients, of course. Upper class clients who had been involved in Tofana's business were imprisoned or banished. So that's the version where Tofana was caught and executed. Those who believe that she was never caught think she died in about 1651 in her own bed, unsuspected of any crime. They think that her daughter, Girolama Spara, took over as the leader of her whole outfit. She was herself a widow, uh, innocent of course, of a Florentine gentleman named Carazzi and moved comfortably in aristocratic circles. According to another source, Spara operated as a kind of cunning woman who sold charms and cures to the gentlewoman and nobility of Rome. These activities would not only have introduced her to potential customers, but would also have given her leads on which of her friends and clients were happy in their marriages and which were unhappy not to mention who might be desperate enough to seek drastic remedies and be able to keep a secret, continuing her mother's grand business plans in an even more sophisticated way. Soon, aqua tofana became a catch-all phrase to describe a supposed class of subtle, precise, slow-acting poisons that were believed to be undetectable and invariably fatal. Of course, and kind of like the angel makers of Negarev, which we covered a couple of years ago, the legend of Aqua Tofana and murderous wives of Rome grew with time. Women selling poisons, lots of husbands dead, women getting more power, a bad and scary combo in 17th century Europe, and the legend grew even more. Tofana's poisons and proof of power directly influenced something called the Affair of the Poisons. It was one of the most sensational crime cases of 17th century France. In 1679, a legal inquiry revealed that nobles, prosperous bourgeois, and the common people alike had been secretly seeing female fortune tellers, at the time numerous in Paris, for drugs, poison, contraband. It was like a whole woman-run criminal black market right under the noses of Parisian law enforcement. 319 people were arrested in the affair of the poisons and 36 people were sentenced to death, including Catherine De Chaise, also known as Madame Monsvinne, a famous fortune teller who had attempted to murder King Louis XIV. And this is where we get back to Mozart, who over a century later died at 35, sure he was poisoned by Aqua defauna. But aside from these two very different endings to Julia Tofana's life, her dying in bed peacefully, business raging on, or being found out and tortured, and one indisputable legacy, there is one more mystery to the story. For a while, every account of Aqua Tofana stresses its unmatched potency, both in accuracy and strength, but the poison has never been replicated in a modern lab. The elixir is supposed to be in the family of slow poisons much feared in the 17th century again which were gradual in their operation to make the victim appear in the words of Charles McKay as if dying from a decay of nature. The unknown potions of that period lacked the qualities ascribed to aquatofana. They were less reliable, more readily detected and produced more violent symptoms than aquatofana did. Might Tofana have stumbled onto some perfect poisonous alchemy that is unmatched even today? Some believe that there's even a spiritual part of this whole story and case, that Tofana had magical powers, witchcraft, or some kind of gift bestowed on her to make this incredibly unmatched, mysterious poison. Or is the whole thing an exaggeration of history? The truth is anyone's guess.
2: Seems kind of like a vigilante in a way. Yeah, like a Robin Hood. how it's framed a little bit. Yeah. I guess if it's long enough ago and people want to tell your story one way, like I believe this person is still alive or you know died Mm -hmm. of their own accord in their own bed Mm -hmm. or you have other people that say that it was a torturous death totally might be on the person how they feel about that person Mm -hmm. so that you know they want to kind of think of it that way and they kind of want the story to be told that way and that's what's interesting about history and kind of Stories being handed down and and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, again, we talked about the angel makers of Nagarev, which is a similar thing, where it's like, this group of people are oppressed, they feel trapped, someone with a little bit of ingenuity decides that they want to do something about it, and then they are called monstrous by some and heroes by others. And that's kind of, you know, framed in the way uh, that history frames it and you know by its victors or all that but also just like the idea of a woman coming into power and the mythology around that and how scary that is makes it very hard to research because you know where fact ends and myth begins is kind of a hard place to to define sometimes this far back
2: and i'm not wondering if this candy you gave me is poisoned at all
3: oh keep eating